You are listening to the OneOfUs.net Podcast Network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hooray! Delicious Volume 1, Life Tastes Good, is finally at Amazon United States. What is delicious, you ask? Imagine a land where all your favorite foods live as human girls. Here in charming a la carte, under the floating city of heavenly delight, we meet Ramen, a young cook trying to run a restaurant with her family of pastas as they end up in all sorts of wacky adventures and hijinks as these strong, eccentric characters pursue their dreams and passions. Delicious is a beautifully drawn comedy series, which is now finally available to buy in the United States. Click on the banner on one of us, order today, and join in the fun now, because Delicious Volume 2, Yum Yum Yum, is coming really soon. A perfect gift for your child, or those of you who are forever young at heart. One of us strongly recommends this one. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. Who the fuck cares? I don't know when you listen to your podcast. <laughs> I'm not your mom. And my mom doesn't know what a fucking podcast is. So what the fuck are we doing here? My name is Chad today. I've got Jordan, Mindy, and Melina with me. Everyone say hello. Hello. Wherefore art thou? Wrong play, sorry. So today's movie, The Lost King, deals with King Richard III. Richard, Richard III. Pre- Sorry. Yes, Mindy's Richard gonna... III. Richard Plantagenet, the uh, last king of the York family line. The, the War of the Roses was the battle between the Yorks and the Lancasters because, as it turns out, lines of succession can be really fucking hard to follow. Um, the War of the Roses, in particular, is rather intertwiny because um, you had the Yorks. Their claim to the throne because, like the the king had died, and his grandson, who was then king, then died. So you have the first. Now it's the second, third, and fourth of of the family trying to figure out who's going to be the leader. And the third is there, who's the York, going. We have claim to the family line more than you because our descendant comes from a son. And meanwhile, those that are in second and third are like, we have more of a claim to the family line. One, because we have two claims and one because it's the oldest, but they're from the woman side of the family line. So this lot to that's this led to the Civil War. That was the War of the Roses. And it ended with Richard III um, being defeated at the Battle of of uh, Boswell by Richmond, who would become Henry VII, father of Henry VIII, father of Queen Elizabeth I, who had sh- who Shakespeare wrote a play glorifying her grandpa and solidifying her claim to the throne, and by pissing all over Richard III. It's 
It's exhausting. <laughs> it's so exhausting. I am thankful I am too ADHD to even fucking try a family tree. <laughs> so this is actually based on a true story, and I remember this happening. I do, too. Uh, it was exciting. But Yeah, and I, re- I, I don't really remember. I'm sure you were... <laughs> more giddy about it than I was. I found it interesting that it was like, oh, dead kings in a parking lot. But we have our protagonist, Philippa, who... Philippa Langley. Philippa Langley, sorry, of Langley Air Force Base. (laughs) She's just, she has a husband that's not her husband anymore, but they're still, like, kind of living together because the kids, like, I have never seen that work. (laughs) They're still chummy. Yeah, they're... They're they're, they're chummy. He comes over, he cooks dinner like they probably it's one of those relationships they were together so long like even divorced they're like eh, we could still hang out she goes to see richard the third she gets upset by the fact that basically no one can prove like what happened to richard or everybody thinks like richard was tossed into a river and his body was floated away and he never got the proper burial that a king should have and a coat of arms and blah 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 so she makes it her personal mission to start figuring this stuff out while compounding this need to fulfill uh, this void in her life is the actor that she saw play Richard is like an apparition or like a hallucination following her around, like just for a while, doesn't even talk. And then he ends up talking and he kind of gives her clues and then he throws her shade at one point because she was being a bitch. <laughs> let's let's talk about the cast real, uh, real quick. I have never seen The Shape of Water. I'm like notoriously behind on a lot of Guillermo del Toro stuff, but Phil, uh, Sally Hawkins uh, played the lead in that. She She's the one that's had sex with the fish, right? She's that lady. That's what I happens in that movie, that right? I haven't seen movie either. <gasps> well, apparently there's some fish boning going on. I heard it's very romantic and tasteful. She got an Oscar nom for it, so. Although I'm part of it and and I think part of it is is the fact that she does carry it and she carries it on the back of the viewpoint of the Richard III Society. And so for those of us who are nerds and can tell you why the, the War of the Roses happened, um, that became a sour point for me. In this film, it, it had nothing to do with her performance. I think it was because she was too good at what she was doing. And knowing that this is based on a real thing that happened, she, Philippa Langley, did lead the hunt to find Richard's body and miraculously found it. Like the fact that they found it is crazy and found it pretty much almost immediately for in the place that they were looking. But like, The thing that got me about this movie is that it's very much from the point of view of Richard has been the victim of all this propaganda and all these lies about him, which is true. You know, the two sources we have about him are mainly from Shakespeare's play and which in turn, I believe, was based on the writings of Sir Thomas More, who was working under her father. So this is all Tudor viewpoints. Tudor propaganda. 
Yes, it was absolutely Tudor propaganda. So Richard was made to be, be, be this demon, essentially. And, and in order to legitimize Henry VII's claim to the throne, because like I said, he didn't really have a very, his claim was much smaller in comparison to everybody else's. So they're like, oh, this guy's evil and therefore it's divine right that he became king, um, essentially. But, the thing is, the thing that really got to me was that they did the same thing from the other side of it. And it's like you can't use propaganda and lies to say how bad propaganda and lies are. And like the, the scene that got me specifically is I think it's about like half an hour in. It's the lecture scene where it's this dude and he absolutely is coming at it from a point of Richard III is a demon propaganda. Absolutely. But the thing that she says to try and counteract that is she talks about the legitimacy of the two princes, which these are the two. They weren't technically princes at that point, but they were the ones that got put in the Tower of London and then just vanished. They actually do not know what happened to these kids. Um, it is assumed that they were murdered to get them out of the way for Richard to become king. Um, but we don't exactly know what happened. And but what she said was like they weren't a threat because they weren't legitimate children because the queen's marriage to the king was void. Here's the thing about that. For all of us nerds who are watching who know this history, that was propaganda used at the time against the queen. Like they hated her. She was one not of noble. Well, she was noble, but she was a very lowly noble. And so they're like, the king married her for love. And they're like, you don't deserve to be queen. And on top of that, she is a second. On top of that, she was the second wife. She had previously been married to a Lancaster. So she was not only not really noble. She also had been previously married to the enemy. So they were very willing to believe that this marriage was not legitimate and therefore the children were not legitimate. This was propaganda not used a hundred years later by a playwright. This was propaganda used at the time against the queen. And it immediately soured me to this character because it's like, you're saying propaganda is wrong, yet you are using very clear propaganda against the queen that she had to deal with herself, not her ghost, her. So it's like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> you well, know, how dare you? I'll, I'll say this, though, Mindy. I'm very, very glad that the movie does take the time to actually explore that in great detail. Oh, no, wait, it doesn't. It tiptoes around that for probably whatsoever for, for one scene, and I think it's comprised of two sentences. And I think yeah, that, there's one yeah. sentence that's like you can't, nobody's perfect. There's, people are in the middle, yeah. But then it just that's like yeah, we said that so as to for legal reasons. So no, but really, he was a god among men, and angels followed him around everywhere, and everyone else was a demon. Yeah, and, and, and it's I, like no, yeah. you can't do that. And if the yeah, it's like and if the movie actually, if the movie even just for the sake of telling a story, even if it took creative license with the information, if it wanted to actually create a rebuttal, not just try to dismiss the you know deformed murderer that Shakespeare portrayed Richard III to be, but actually tried to come in and say, well, in fact, he was actually this wise and benevolent ruler, and here is our here's our proof, here's where we're going to go, at, or here's we're going to go into it. If that was what we got from the interactions between Sally Hawkins and Harry Lloyd's uh, apparition, then I thought that would have made a much more interesting story. 
Oh, yeah. It totally would have. Like, Richard flat out murdered people that he, that was illegal to do in order to get the crown. He was not the god that they're portraying him to be. And it really would have been interesting to have him rebuttal that, like you said. But yeah, continue. If I would have been loaded a little bit more about the history of, you know, even whatever little history we had of Richard III, it would have been nice to know because it felt like I was playing catch up and to know, to be told, oh, this is only propaganda. And then in the frame of this movie, well, no, uh, that's the propaganda. We're great. And then Mindy's like, they're all fucking evil. You know, monarchy <laughs> suck. So. I'm glad we had this discussion because it it changed my frame of mind in general, because every film has a point of view and every film can be called propaganda. But, yeah, I hate when other people are like, well, yeah, they're bad, but, you know, we're fine. You don't look at the other stuff. And I don't know. That doesn't sit well with me, especially when you put that based on a true story tag. Because people believe that shit. Then that stuff goes into the zeitgeist and then they they will disregard all the stuff that could be true and only will think about the stuff that was told to them on a big screen. So five out of ten slightly erotic elderly couple makeout scenes. Not elderly couple, I guess. They're more like, you know, over middle age, like not retired, but like and I was with my wife and. You know, I'm coming up 12 years now, and it's hard to get, you know, like, hey, no? Okay. I can't wait for her to hear this. What did you say? It's it's maybe the steamiest action probably going on in UK cinemas at the moment. Who knows? Um, But yeah, again, uh, Sally Hawkins, I think here is tremendous. Steve Coogan's really good. I think their relationship is honestly the most interesting and captivating part of this movie. Harry Lloyd as, uh, you know, King Richard, actually, you know, pretty good, has some good one-liners. But otherwise, it's just a bit of a bland movie. I'm not really going to remember this too much outside of, okay, so the history is actually fascinating but this movie is pretty much combating propaganda with propaganda and also just outrageously cartoonish uh, antagonists. It just bothered the hell out of me. So for that, I'm just going to give it like six dig licenses out of ten. Maybe if they dug further, they could have pulled out a they they could have unearthed a much more interesting script for this movie. Uh, well, one name that we've not mentioned uh, is Stephen Frears, who directed this and uh, the last film that he uh, that he worked with Steve Coogan on is one that I love, and that's Philomena. And that is partly why I was very attracted to see this, because I think the two of them work very well together. And Steve Coogan, I do like his writing quite a bit. Uh, however, like we've said, I think that this film's biggest problem is A, it toys with wanting to make a point about historical portrayal, how a character can get lost in the sea of propaganda and how uh, dramatic portrayals can overshadow the true history. But its way of doing that is saying is by 
trying to argue, well, no, he was actually a great guy. Well, how do you know? I don't know. I just do. And I'm like, that's a far less compelling argument than the one that Steve Coogan makes about halfway through, which is, hey, you know what? He may not have been a villain, but that doesn't mean that he was a saint. That's okay. What matters is portraying is just showing who they were, giving these people, giving a historical uh, presence a voice. And I think that that does get lost in something that is trying to be relatively inoffensive, trying to be more slight. And if it were maybe funny, if the dialogue were wittier, if the characters were written in a way that was more interesting, I would have, I would have probably forgiven all of that. But alas, what you see what we're given here is just not all that compelling. I've watched this two and a half times. And I say two and a half because I watched the first half of it, got busy, and then I realized I had forgotten all of it and had to go back and watch it all over again to refresh myself. Um, yeah, I'm fascinated by the, the history of the Plantagenets. I am fascinated by the history of the Tudors. And unless you already know their history going into this, then you're not going to learn anything. And that, that's okay. It's just one that I'm like, oh, I really wish that there was, I really wish that like the archeologist in this film, it just dared to dig a little deeper under the surface. Um, but yeah, Sally Hawkins is great. Steve Coogan is great. Um, she does in fact carry this film on her back and she does it effortlessly. She is a fantastic actress. Uh, I'm gonna give this four out of six Richmonds in the field. I reiterate a lot of what you folks said. Um, the people that are going to be watching this movie and are going to be interested in this movie are going to be the nerds. Um, they're going to be people that know about this at least somewhat and are interested in the fact that, holy crap, they found Richard the third in a parking lot. Um, but, and that does, and maybe part of the reason that there wasn't so much of that kind of, background information in the script was because they kind of figured that people watching it would already know, but that's not an excuse for it not being there. Because what if you want to educate people who are just like, huh, I don't really know a lot about that. I, maybe if I watch this, I'll have a better understanding, a Cliff's Notes version. And this, this film does not give enough of the background information of who Richard is why he was slandered so much, what happened in regards to his betrayal by the Tudors, in regards to his betrayal as a member of the Plantagenet family versus the Lancasters, you know? And it's just, if you don't have that background, what this movie is, is a story of a woman who's having hallucinations, who finds, uh, who digs up a parking lot and there happens to be an old body in it. It, it The movie is mainly about her getting funding for digging up that parking lot. Th that's that's not a movie. Oh, I mean, it is because they made it, but that's not an interesting movie. And the interesting bits are the bits that she has when she is talking to this hallucination of Richard that she has, which becomes her obsession. And yeah, that, that gives it the interesting emotional connection, but it's being done through the eyes of the Richard, the third society. 
And now I know that there is propaganda against Richard III. The second time I was in it, my husband came to see it. And literally the only sentence he said after it was done was, wow, that was a propaganda piece. Literally those that that was literally the only thing he said about the entire show. But, you know, this was something that came up in the slack um, in regards to the killing of the princes. She's like, yeah, um, you know, Henry VII had just as much reason to get rid of those kids as Richard did. And it's like, funny you should mention that. That is a deliberate lie that I believe was first created or at least spread by the Richard III Society. So these, this is the mindset that is, and this is the emotional point of view that is being told through this movie. It is through this movie that's saying the Tudors are evil who slandered a saint and slander is bad. Meanwhile, that, oh, just ignore the fact that he illegally killed people in order to gain power. Just ignore the fact that he deliberately tried to denounce the legitimacy of the marriage of the queen. Just ignore all that. No, uh, he, he was beautiful and saintly. He is, and, and, and just ignore and, and everything else is just wrong and, and the Tudors are all Satan in disguise. No, you cannot fight propaganda by using other propaganda. So you have this combination of a story about getting funding to be in a car park surrounded by propaganda. And that's just, again, when based on a true story, as you said, that's some bullshit right there. And it made me mad for the majority of the film. Um, because I love this history and I love that time and I love Shakespeare. So yeah, my message to this film is do better, be better, be honest and genuine to the people that you are portraying. Simple as that. And because, and so I am going to give it, what am I going to get it? I'm going to give it. Six and a half out of ten bad portrayals of Shakespeare in film. Have you ever noticed that whenever somebody puts a play in a film or a TV show, it's usually always Shakespeare and it's always terrible? Why is it you are actors playing Shakespeare? Why can you not understand what the hell you're saying? I, I literally stopped the film in, in the opening lines. Richard III is saying, now is, the, now is the winter of our discontent made glorious summer by the son of York. I literally turned off the film because I was so mad. It's like, dude, you have no idea what the hell you're saying. 